Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 158 of Geek Town Radio. We're back this week with Daryl. How are you doing? Hello there. I'm doing fine, thanks. Good, good. After the craziness that has been uh, up front and all the other stuff that we had to cover last week with a massive amount of cancellations, what have you been up to the last few weeks? In terms of TV-wise, I've been mostly catching up on Into the Badlands. Ah, yes. Which is a post-apocalypse classic martial arts show, which you can find on Amazon Prime. Yep. And... And it stars Danny Wu, who's a um, pretty well-known martial artist. Yes. And it's also from the creators of a small little show, Smallville. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's kind of, kind of a, a slight departure for, for Smallville. But uh, yeah, it's, I've seen a few episodes of it. It's a, it's a really good show. I've just It's one of those things that I, I keep on seeing on Amazon Prime and thinking, I must go back and watch the rest of that. It looked really good. Because it's in like, what, is it three or four seasons it's into now? It's currently on its third season. Third. I think we've yeah. got six other. Uh, it's been the uh, episode numbers keep going up so I think this one might be 16 episodes right, okay. so that's been really great to watch um, yeah. it's an interesting thing it's pre- pretty much one of the most unique shows on television yes. I can't think of any other western show that features like um, what I call classic martial arts that you that you would see if you're a child of the 80s and saw those really old period Hong Kong pieces that you know people like Jet Li and Jackie Chan saw before they were famous yeah totally it's a really interesting looking series and definitely what you should watch if you're into uh, if you're into your martial arts stuff yeah other than that um, I've also been catching up with the 100 fresh off the news that's been um, renewed yes. out of nowhere yes. especially for a show that's pretty much been on um, since season 3 <laughs> where it just couldn't find a way onto the American schedules yes. and we were more than a bit worried that it wouldn't come back yeah. but it's sort of been revived mm. by the newest um, sort of TV um, theme which is the time jump yes Yes. So they gave themselves a, I think it's, if I'm correct, it's a seven year time drop after the events of the previous season finale. Yes. The cast have aged incredibly well for a seven year time jump, yep, considering they they're in they the look, apocalypse. They look pretty good. They do, yeah. look, they got, they do look pretty good for seven years. Yeah. But yeah, it's a huge change. Mm. And it's just, it's an excellent, it's an excellent way of bringing the story on. Yeah. Yeah. And the 100 is just, it's, it's a pretty amazing show, mm. which sort of come back, came from this idea of just a, 
simple, another YA book adaption yeah. featuring teenagers in a post-apocalypse world that's become so much more. It spawned Klexicon, which is sort of an LGP-centered convention, which happens oh, cool. I think in two countries. It happens in the, yeah, in the UK and the US. And it's just, it had it has a very strong fandom base behind it, mm. which we can clearly see with its um, renewal. Yes, yeah. Which came after about two episodes, I think, in the US, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. CW is very good at that, usually. It's very rare they leave shows hanging. You either get a decent renewal, they get an early renewal. I mean, they've got, I think, three shows finishing this year, but uh, which we'll come to in a bit, but they've given them final seasons so they can finish off stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, yeah, they've, they're usually pretty decent. It's very rare you'll get something chopped down on that network. Other than that, I, as you do every now and then, I went searching through the Amazon Prime movie lists oh, yeah. and found something that I went, I saw a trailer for that, and that was Guardians, okay. which is a Russian blockbuster. I guess <laughs> it's sort of the answer to the Avengers. Right, which, okay. And it features, yeah. it features a team of superpowered individuals coming together to deal with the threat. It's pretty cheesy, <laughs> uh, but there's, pre- there's plenty of money spent on it, and it was a pretty fun ride, and I would definitely recommend it. If you got your Amazon Prime, get in there and just t- yeah, type in Guardians, yeah. and it was available dubbed. Right. So there's, I know there's the option for subtitles. subtitles. Yeah, okay. But yeah, so it was a fun, it was a pretty fun ride. Okay, cool. No, that's all for me. The other things, of course, uh, this week, I mean, the big talking point has been all the renewals and cancellations, Lucifer being one that particularly hanging around at the moment. Hopefully, as it's MCM next week and Tom Ellis is going to be there, hopefully we might get a bit more from next week, but uh, they're still pushing for it. I I was absolutely gutted that show was canned. Um, It's such a shame. See, I think obviously I don't, it's very rare that I really want to see a show go, but I think in the case of Lucifer, (laughs) they they just simply kept the audience waiting far too long there's only so long you can you can do that whole will they won't they thing even if it does have a supernatural twist mm. and it become it becomes frustrating after time when you're watching a show where clearly the smartest person on the show doesn't know something that most of the people <laughs> who care to know know I don't know I, I I like the fact that I mean you, you're right she is the smartest person on the show but I think that it telling somebody you're the devil or the angel even though you are saying it repeatedly it seems so unbelievable obviously it's not so much that but there's, there would be it's hard to believe that in all the sort of craziness the hijinks that go through the seasons that she hasn't seen something right yeah yeah in the same way that um, so many other people who deal with Lucifer on a daily basis have seen stuff which they simply have to like what yeah. Linda's seen yeah so it's frustrating because of how it ended and mm. yeah. you know I, I sort of I just want it to continue plus I just enjoy what watching it it's it's one of those shows that i think characters are yes you know there are issues with the uh with you know certain things like you say but i i think the characters are so watchable particularly tom ellis so uh, yes without a doubt but i do think it was suffering from a few filler episodes mm. this season where you just look at god i don't know why this here this well and, i mean they're, they're and, literally and characters not and characters not moving forward yeah if you look at how for like for how long mazakin was just stuck in one place yeah and yeah. i think and I think audiences read into that and they're in the third season and you get, things need things need to happen mm, interesting I mean yeah and we find out in the finale of season three or we get a reason why the loss of, loss of his um, devil face which happened when <laughs> see what I mean it, it just it's too long right audiences okay. don't have that, that level of patience these days but I, I I think that's partly a network problem in, I would be happy to see Lucifer come back for a 60 episode run not a 22 episode
episode run or 24 as this one was yeah i think that yeah Um, i have well my i think my thoughts on this are there there are pretty much no shows i can think of that should be that should be running for that many episodes no no. just uh, outside of strict procedurals yes no no show that's attempting to um, tell a story from episode to episode on an ongoing basis should be running for 20 for 24 episodes yeah 16 at the most because uh, because otherwise you just you can just instantly look through a show and point out eight to ten episodes where these don't need to be here yeah yeah nothing happens in nothing happens in these episodes which yeah. has any bearing on the story no i mean sometimes those i mean the filler episodes can be fun but uh, yeah you're entirely right if you if you're looking at a way of reducing the cost of a series that would seem like the obvious way to do it i mean look at agents of shield that got renewed but it got renewed for a half season rather than the full season and at least with a show like agents of shield they literally i mean even when it's doing a full season you have two story arcs in it so you know the fact that it's chopped in half doesn't really make a huge amount of difference because it was already chopped in half anyway in some respects and i mean you know so chopping in half is a is um interesting i can remember mtv's teen wolf started doing it because when it first came out it was running around the 12 episode mark and then then when it got renewed and it had a huge first season and they obviously upped the episodes and they ran i think they ran one full season with like one story then they tried to do two pods like Age right. of Shield do yeah. and they had limited success doing that mm. so, so yeah maybe sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't I, I think but uh, yeah I, I think yeah, anything, I, don't, yeah. I don't know enough about how TV networks work and how a TV show in of itself can generate money even with good things because maybe well, the, maybe it's it's simply a case that if you have something at a level of the Flash a level of a Supergirl a level of Arrow which, you, which needs to throw that much money at either mm. stunts or special effects yeah maybe you just can't make money out of it if it's only going to run for 12 episodes yeah but, and I, I guess I guess as well you have to still fill that airtime with something yes, so you've got to you've got to spend money on something else yeah if you're going to chop without a doubt. yeah so there, there I mean it's not necessarily saving the network money by cutting the episode number in oh, that definitely. point so, oh yeah because they've I mean it might do because the show that you bring in might be a new show which is a lot cheaper to produce yeah. but you know so but, um, too often you, you get the argument when a show hits like season four season five oh it's too expensive we're too expensive to do so we're cancelling it well I mean this is this has been the the interesting thing I mean one of the things we saw across the board with all the renewals and cancellations is a lot of the time we were seeing if you look through the list of shows almost all the networks opted to keep shows that are shows that the network actually owns or has a has a large stake in over shows that they're buying off network which was one of the issues with Lucifer on Fox yes I did that. It's so, also an issue that came up with Dark Matter yeah. uh, on Sci-Fi. So yeah. when Sci-Fi came on and they renewed all their newish shows, so they renewed Winona Herb and they renewed, um, oh God, what's it called? Uh, uh, the Bounty Hunter show. Yeah. The name escapes me. But that's because they have stakes in those. Therefore, therefore, they're making money when those pretty popular shows are being sold around the world. Well, yeah. It's, it's, also, it's also the same reason that it, The Expanse got cancelled because the, yeah, the, the deal that they had on The Expanse was rubbish they only made it made money on the expanse when it aired live on their network which is a terrible deal to have made in the first place but you know it means that when you know we get it on netflix and everybody gets it internationally they're not making any money back on that so despite it being you know the highest rated show on probably on rotten tomatoes or certainly you know it, yes, one of like, the a, highest. like a 97 something ridiculous isn't it yeah well it's a, it's the latest seasons at 100 percent on rotten tomatoes wow. and the previous the previous season 
seasons have been like you know either high, I think high seventies and high eighties or high eighties and high nineties. So mm-hmm. you know it, it's incredibly highly rated show. But the problem was for sci-fi was they made no money out of it, and kind of think you've got to really blame the production company for not being able to come down and sort out a better deal for the yeah. network if they still wanted the network to to run it. So that and that show I was thinking of was Killjoys. Oh yes, of course, of course, yes. But um, I mean, you know, you you seeing this across the networks. I mean, CW has yeah. always owned all its own shows because, like all the all the shows which are related to DC, DC and WB are part of the same thing. WB have a stake in CW, so CW has a stake in those shows. But CW basically owns everything, and you're seeing the same thing with CBS. CBS last year said they made more money off selling the shows internationally, selling their own shows internationally than they did off the US domestic advertising market so um you're seeing you're starting to see that change in the last couple of years when you've seen some surprise cancellation that's basically been the reason why is they're just not making you know they're they're older shows that they're not making the money back on because they don't have the deals in place even with some of the older shows they've they've kept like you know the whole debacle with lethal weapon which is an off-network show for fox but they because of of the way that they were having to bring it back that's a wb show they have the network order for starters because they want to make sure that you know this new setup works for them and they've they've renegotiated the back end as well so they are paying a lot less in terms of the license fee than they were previously so there's various things going on behind the scenes it used to be the case that as the show got older the license fee went up because it was a more established show now it's yeah. the case as the show get older the license fee goes down because you know as assuming the audience stays at a reasonable level the license fee is still going to go down because the network wants to make more money out of it. So um, it's it's very interesting the way that the landscape is shifting on that. But uh, but yes, it's been uh, it's, it's been an interesting week, the last, oh, couple of weeks since uh, since all the oh, upfronts. Um, yeah, but uh, we'll we'll talk about some of the renewals and cancellations in a minute that we uh, that have come in since the upfronts. In terms of stuff that that I've been watching, a few new shows came out last week. Bulletproof, which was this uh, new Noel Clark and um, Ashley Walters buddy cop drama mm-hmm. that was on uh, Sky One. Does it have any connection to the movie? No, not that I'm aware of anyway. Okay. It's basically, you know, it's a British made buddy cop drama. Um, mm-hmm. Two very likeable guys guys in the lead role. It's one of those shows that I wanted to like a lot more than I did. It's not necessarily bad. It may improve as the episodes go through, but it, it didn't feel quite like it was gelling properly in that opening episode for me. I mean, I, I enjoyed it and I will still watch some more episodes because I, I hope it, it sort of gets a bit better. I just, I sort of felt that it should have been, I don't know, there should have been a few more laughs in it. It's, you know, it's a buddy cop thing. It, it wasn't quite as funny as I wanted it to be. You look at the banter on, I don't know, buddy cop shows that are on TV at the moment, you've got things like, I don't know, Y five O, for example, yeah. where you have the bickering between the two guys in you know the two leads in the car. Mm-hmm. Some of those exchanges are so well done. And I know that's a show that's been around for a lot longer, and I I, I just sort of feel that it, the the writing needs to be a bit funnier than it was. As a general sort of overall thing, I like the setup, and I you know I hope it's doing well for them. I just I just want it to be a bit better than it is, you know. So mildly disappointed with it, but I you know I I will watch some more and. 
I'll I will see uh, as it goes through whether I still you know on board after a few episodes. So we had that come. Handmaid's Tale, of course, started again this week. Brilliant opening episode. It's as dark and and kind of depressing <laughs> as ever. Although you know the the opening episode does have a sort of it's a uplifting moments in it as well, which is good. It went in a direction I didn't think it was going to go in as well, which is is quite nice. Um, certainly not this early on. I, so I I really enjoyed that opening episode. I love that show. I think it's fantastic. Uh, Humans, which we've been covering a lot on the site, also came back. A brilliant opening episode from them. That's a really interesting setup. Now you've got all the synths that are locked away in these sort of ghettoized areas, and uh, you've got the this sort of very much this setup of synth versus human. So uh, that's been really good. If you want more stuff about humans, there's a load of it on the website. We've got interviews and all sorts of things up on the website if you want to go and read those. Cool. And uh, gaming-wise, mm-hmm. I started uh, State of Decay 2 because I pre-ordered that because I really like the first one. So uh, that's been... I think it's officially released today, I think. But I've been playing that over the weekend because if you pre-ordered it, you got it like four days early. So uh, okay. uh, so that, but that that's really good. It's kind of more of the same. Uh, it's just sort of you know, better graphics and there's a few more interesting features in it. But uh, essentially, you know, you're wandering around in a zombie apocalypse and you're trying to survive. The thing I rather like about that is you you collect this kind of group of people as you would in like you know walking dead you end up sort of with this group of people but if Mm -hmm. one of them dies that's it they're dead you take over one of the other people in the group so it's uh it's a really kind of interesting setup because you can end up building up a sort of character to a certain level you know because they improve with their skills and their fighting and all that sort of stuff but you know if they get swarmed by zombies when you're out somewhere and they get killed that's it they're done for there's no rescuing them so uh it's it's a really interesting uh way of running that game but uh that's out on i think xbox and uh on pc it's on the microsoft store which uh if you, okay. if you buy it off the microsoft store you actually get the pc get and the both. xbox yeah, yeah you get both of them because they have that cross play thing which is great i'm enjoying that so far we'll, we'll see how long it lasts but i'm enjoying it so far it's worth it so that's all the stuff we've been doing this week let's move on to some tv and film news yes that's TV and film news this week kicks off with renewals, cancellations and pickups. As I just mentioned a bit earlier, a few CW shows are going to be coming to an end, they've announced. Uh, iZombie, Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. We kind of knew Jane the Virgin and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend because of comments. Yeah, there's a heavy, yeah. Yeah, we, we knew they were they were coming to an end because they'd made comments about it previously. And I've got to say, iZombie coming to an end is no great surprise because it was very much on the bubble for whether it was going to yeah. get renewed. And it was another one of those CW shows that found of bouncing all over the schedule. Yeah, yeah. Talking about shows that change things up like the 100 every season. I mean, iZombie's done that fairly successfully as well. Jumping sort of, you know, the the plot line has shifted quite dramatically each each season. Not a seven-year time jump yet, but it has kind of, you know, uh, it has changed itself quite a lot. But I, I think, you know, it'll be five seasons. It's back for a final season so they can wrap up the story properly. I think that's that's perfectly acceptable. You know, uh, that's a reasonable run for a show. So, uh, I, you know, I I, and I'm not entirely sure where else you go with it once you've kind of revealed the fact that zombies exist in the entire world, which is where the situation you're in now. So, um, so yeah, I'm I'm enjoying it, but I I think that's fine. 
the last ship is going to uh, come to an end with season five. And we kind of knew that already because they renewed it for season four and five together. So they shot them back to back. So so we sort of knew that this may be the final season, but they have confirmed that the last ship season five will be its last. Have you been watching? I have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a silly over the top show, but I rather enjoy it. I saw like two seasons of it. And then I sort of, once they, I think, yeah, I think it was during the whole dealing with the evil submarine people. Right. Yes. Yeah, at, at that point, I sort of checked out. Yeah. I mean, they've kind of saved the world twice so far. So twice. I, it, 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 twice in four seasons is, is plenty. They're probably going to end up saving the world in the fifth season as well. So um, basically, it started off with this virus that was killing off the human population. Then the virus jumps from the human population to the plant population. So they then got a problem that they can't feed anybody and they've got to kind of rescue the seeds that are kind of you know important because they save plants. And so they did they've done that for the last couple of seasons we'll have to see what they do for season five but um i yeah i mean it's a fun stupid show but i'm not going to be overly sorry that they're kind of bringing it to an end because i don't know how much more you could throw at the guys and still make it like not seem utterly ridiculous so uh, so that's been quite good Siren has been picked up for a second season. Have you seen any episodes of this? Because it it is airing over here now. Yes, and it's really good. It's great to hear that it's coming back for a second season. It's one of those shows that when you look at it, you go... It's taking a real bet on a show like that yeah. um, getting renewal. It reminds me a bit of Beyond, which Freeform had. Right, yeah. Um, that started a couple of seasons ago and only made it to a second season. Yeah. So I don't know what the number's like, but yeah, I would definitely I would definitely recommend Siren. It's it's a, it's a very interesting take on mermaid lore. Yes. Um, in, a, in a small fishing town. Yeah. And it sort of, it just really works. It's got semi-horror aspects to it. Mm. And, and obviously it's, there's a lot of, I know, history and lore with the specific town that they that all yeah. this happens in yeah it does look fairly interesting I've, I've watched some of the first episode and i got distracted and haven't gone back to it yet but i i will go back to it now i think now i know it's coming back for another season and i'm not yep. going to get kind of chopped off so uh, so there's that freeform have also picked up pretty little liars the perfectionists which is uh... is a spin-off series of pretty little liars kind of i mean it's a forced spin-off yes the perfectionist is a separate story written by sarah shepherd who who obviously wrote Pretty Little Liars. Yes. But they've done massive amounts of tinkering. The Perfectionist, the original book follows teenagers at a high class high school and it revolves around the top guy who's a bit of a bully. Right. And, and obviously the murder that springs forth from that because it's a Sarah Shepard thing and they're all basically interesting spins and who done it. Yes. Um, they've changed it now so that it's a college right. level and they've plucked two of the stars of Pretty Little Liars. Yes. The characters Alison and Mona right. who have suddenly moved clear across the country to this I think it's set <laughs> on the west coast right okay and obviously any actual Pretty Little Liars fan will see those two characters and who knows what happened in, in the final season and be very perplexed as to why that would be the <laughs> right, case okay I mean, I've I've never not really watched Pretty Little Liars it was never it a, a show it is yeah. a rabbit hole you might not want to fall down yeah it was never a show which was particularly on my radar until quite late on and, and then I just I, I mean I do watch quite a lot of 
of those young adult shows, you know, things like Riverdale and that sort of thing. But it was one that I came, you know, I spotted quite late and uh, just never really picked up. So, uh, it, yes, this mashing together of two of the it, same it, author's it, work it, is kind of an interesting idea. So uh, we'll see. But Hopefully it'll be more successful than the other Pretty Little Liars spin-off, which was Ravenswood, for those people who remember. Right, yes. And that did um, get past well. its initial yeah. um, 10 episode order or whatever it was. Right. It, yes. Yeah. So anyway, that Freeform have picked up that. ABC have renewed or been forced to renew Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's very difficult to tell whether they've done it or Disney have oh, forced them into it. That feels, it feels like, a, it feels like <laughs> they were forced. Because obviously, obviously there's another uh, Marvel movie that needs some free uh, yeah, yeah. coming so, up during their run. Yeah, well, I, I, don't think, I don't think we know when it's coming back. Well, I, 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 it seems like mid-season to me. Yeah, the story's floating around saying it's coming back in the summer. So it looks like it's actually going to come back post... 2019 summer, yeah. Yeah, 2019 uh, summer post-Infinity War 2. Okay. So, which is probably quite sensible because the events of Infinity War could be quite difficult to explain on a, on the TV show given that it's a connected universe if half the team disappear unexpectedly because of Infinity. That could be quite difficult to you know figure out. So maybe post-Infinity War is probably the best place to put it. But uh, it's going to be a 13-episode run. It's not going to be a full-episode run, yeah. uh, which I, I think, like I say, it, I don't think it makes any difference with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because it was kind of very much a season of two halves anyway. I, I think that's fine. If it makes ABC keep them happy and it keeps the show around for a little bit longer, I'm perfectly happy with that. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel has also been renewed and that's for a third season, even though you haven't missed season two, it's not aired yet. <laughs> so I, that I'm incredibly happy about because that was one of the best comedies to come out last year. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm so happy they've picked up that, that up for a third season already. Is that an Amazon yeah. own show? Yes, that's an Amazon own show. It's an Amazon original. It's written by the people that wrote The Gilmore Girls, which is a show I also absolutely adored. But uh, that was hilarious, that show, and uh, very much looking forward to having that back for two more seasons. Still no word yet on Timeless or Code Black. Those seem to still be very much in limbo in terms of renewal or cancellation. Well, I'm obviously always hopeful that Timeless will make a return. It was a, yeah. it was, it's a fun show. Mm. Um, I don't, the only thing I know about Code Black is obviously that it's, it's a medical procedure. And yeah, I, uh, there's, we have enough of those. There's, <laughs> there, exactly, there's, there's more than enough of those. Mm. There's not enough of wacky time travel, in my view. There can yes. never be enough wacky time travel. No. But, um, so, yeah, it's, it's seems very much on the bubble. Yeah. I really think that NBC were just throwing the fans a bone, giving them this shortened season order. Yeah, so... We see it come back again. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It would be interesting to see whether it ends up somewhere else. I don't know how well it does on other services, but I would love to see it renewed. I really, really hope it does, because I think it's a really fun show, and uh, there isn't anything else really out there like it right now. So, I'm, you know, I, I'm with you. I think we can, we can afford to lose a, a procedural. That's not really a problem. A medical procedural there are 10 you know dime a dozen but um yeah timeless i will be very happy to see back in terms of bigger news it's all very comic book dc related actually the, the news yes, this week one of the things that uh, is coming to dc universe which is the name they've finally given to their
their DC streaming service, which before you say anything, we still don't know whether it's actually going to get re- like released worldwide or whether it's only going to be US only. I'm hoping it's going to be worldwide. I don't see that happening, but yeah, we'll, well, I don't know. It's difficult to tell. So DC Universe, which the other problem with calling it DC Universe is the fact that the video game that... Yes, uh, I, was about, <laughs> I was just about to say that. that it, yeah, the video game's called that. He's called DC Universe Online. So they're not exactly the most imaginative over there, but uh, DC Universe have got another live-action comic book adaptation coming called Doom Patrol, which is coming from Greg Belanti. So it's going to be based on the Doom Patrol comic book, which is a, about a bunch of outcast superheroes called Robot Man, Negative Man, Elastigirl, Crazy Jane, and led by a modern-day mad scientist called Niles Calder, the chief. The Doom Patrol members each suffered horrible accidents who gave them superhuman abilities, but also left them scarred and disfigured. Interestingly, one of the other things it mentions in the press release for this is that it's going to pick up after the events of the Titan series, which is the Teen Titans live-action series, also from Greg Belanti, which is coming to DC Universe. So this is going to arrive after it, and uh, the Doom Patrol are apparently called into action by Cyborg, who I think in the comic books has some interaction with Doom Patrol. I think he may have been a member of them for a while. That's quite interesting because we've had no mention of Cyborg up until this point in relation to Titans. So I'm assuming that Cyborg will be part of the Titans team as well. And then that will be the I thought they released um, posters for all the team, character posters. Well, maybe maybe he comes in towards the end, possibly. I don't know. I mean, they've released character posters certainly for some of them because we've seen them for Hawk and Dove and have we actually seen an in-costume character poster for Beast Boy? I don't know. I I don't think we have. So I don't think they've... I I mean, I, I thought they'd announced the characters, but I don't think we've seen posters for them. I know they've they've released one because they've not actually released w- one with Dick Grayson as Nightwing, only as Robin. And at some point, he's going to probably have to not be Robin and be Nightwing. So okay. they've released some stuff, but I, I don't think they've released everything. We also know Jason Todd's going to turn up at some point. Uh, so interesting. so it, it's, it's sounding like a very interesting series. I mean, Titans is the main reason I'm hoping that DC Universe does get released over here. I'm all for more comic book series. And it's been written by Jeremy Carver. And Jeremy Carver wrote Being Human, Supernatural, and Frequency, which were all great shows. So <laughs> they're all good shows. So I'm perfectly happy with that. And, you know, Greg Belanti. It's Frequency, what it. I think it is. Frequency was the TV remake, it only lasted one season. Yeah, but, that's what I thought it yeah, yeah, was. But I really enjoyed that. I, I, it's such okay. a shame it didn't get more. It was actually quite fun. It was based off, a, off an old movie, but. Uh, oh, a movie, because it was starred Kevin Bacon, didn't it? Uh, was it Kevin Bacon or was it. I can't remember. Might, oh, yeah, might have been. Maybe Kevin Bacon played one of them and I can't remember but Frequency was the the one about the uh, child that sort of contacts their father through a, a, yeah. a ham, radio. Sort of ham radio old ham radio I watched a bit of it because it, it had because it starred um, Peyton Royd yes it? yeah and she was in The Tomorrow People so I was just, um, supporting her after that show which I felt should have been cancelled but never mind yeah. <laughs> so yeah I, I think that's uh, that, that's kind of a good team behind it I like the fact that they are starting to build this sort of thing which is I mean we don't know whether whether Titans is going to relate 
straight across to the wider TV CWDC universe or not? I have a feeling it'll be separate. It may be separate, although if we move on to the next story, there's a, mm-hmm. I have a theory. Uh, <laughs> I was watching a show that was talking about the latest things that have been happening on The Flash. Yes. And they were just talking in uh, more terms about how like, the history of metahumans. Okay. And obviously The Flash, in its thing, is set on Earth 1. Yes. And as far as we knew then, that pretty much The Flash was the first metahuman and obviously all those other metahumans that popped up the same time that he did. Yes. During the particle accelerated explosion. Yes. But they were saying, spoilers for people, if you haven't caught up all the way in The Flash, <laughs> that you, you find out something that suggests, well, doesn't suggest, it shows clearly there was a metahuman at least 20 years before that. Okay. And that would so that makes them the first metahuman on Earth 1 because there, because there have been references to metahumans who weren't a part of the thing, yeah. who weren't yeah. a part of the particle accelerator. Only very few, but it just sort of throws law and how far we did it. Uh, Flash, no, was it season four? Uh, yes. This sort of throws everything on its head. Mm, okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I always assumed Particle Accelerator created a bunch of metahumans. I yeah. just, I, I always assumed there were probably other ones out there still. So I don't know, because I mean, uh, we know obviously Supergirl is metahuman, but she's from well, a different... She's an, well, uh, she's an alien and it's a different Earth. Yeah, and it's a different Earth. So, you know. So yeah, I, I don't know. I always assumed that the, the Particle Accelerator wasn't the only way that created metahumans. Yeah, so. yeah. But yeah, moving moving on, if we go into the Arrowverse, they did the big upfront announcement for CW and um, one of the announcements they made was they're adding a member of the Bat family to the Arrowverse in the crossover because obviously they're going to do a big crossover this year and the Bat family member is going to be Batwoman they're uh, going to bring into it and they've also said that they are going to Gotham City as part of the crossover, which is interesting. Now, my theory is that, first of all, I think they're probably going to Gotham because I suspect they're building a Gotham set for Titans. So I I rather suspect that that even if they don't end up Titans and this doesn't end up being the same universe, I rather suspect that the set will be the same because I I, I reckon they built it for the one and then went, can we borrow that? Uh, So, uh, I I mean, I could be wrong about that, but that was was my thinking, was the, the first time they start doing a show which involves characters from Gotham on Titans and then they suddenly bring Gotham into the Arrowverse. I do wonder whether, I mean, they've announced Batwoman. I do wonder whether they're going to sneak Robin into that as well as a sort of little nod, whether it will be uh, Brendan Thwaites pops up as Robin in that. I don't know. I feel like I'd be very surprised. I think they would hit that in the upfront. Maybe, maybe, although it could be an interesting kind of one of those things that they keep back as as like a massive surprise for the episode when it goes out. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but I, I just think it's interesting mm. that they I now... Wonder, I wonder they who na- would be fighting. Well, I don't know. I mean, we were, what, evil time traveller? Then yeah. space aliens. Yes. Then Nazis from another world. Oh, yes, Nazis from another I world. Know, so. I, I know. How, how can you top that? I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, particularly as, as they're going to do Gotham, I mean, I'd be very surprised if they're allowed to use sort of Joker for it. So... I can't um, see that happening. Yeah, I don't know. It would have to be some big... I mean, Bane, maybe? I don't know. It's uh, it would be interesting, but I mean, Batwoman. I suspect the version of Batwoman that we're going to see will be Kate Kane, who is the current comic book version, who is a uh, basically the other wealthy family in Gotham. That you know, all the stuff that the the Waynes don't own, the Kane family owns the other half. Okay, she is uh, an openly lesbian. Her former lover includes Rini Montoya, who I can't remember whether Rini Montoya is actually a Rene Montoya. Yeah, uh, I can't remember whether she 
she's popped up in the Arrowverse before or not. I have a feeling she has. No, no. Maybe, I don't think, maybe. I, I maybe. think there was there was someone who referenced um, her. Um, someone who they sort of, they sort of like that sort of that seems to be like Renee Matora, but I don't think they ever used the name. Right. Okay. Renee Matora went goes on in the current comic book version. She, she's actually the question. I can't remember whether she is or isn't now, but for a while she was anyway. I think that's the version of the character we're probably going to get. The current version in the comic books is basically becomes a crime fighter after being inspired by Batman, which is why she becomes Batwoman. Her, her dad's a military guy and she basically steals a bunch of equipment from his military base. And uh, that's how she kind of gets all her stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's an interesting addition, given that it's the first real Bat family member. I mean, we've had Huntress in Arrow before. Um, yeah, a version, but, yeah, a version of the Huntress. But this is the first sort of full-blown, like, Bat family member I think we've had. Yep. So uh, so I think that's kind of an interesting addition, you know, and the, probably the best way to go, I would have thought. Brenton Thwaites, like I say, he's playing Robin on Titans. They've not confirmed or denied whether the universes are connected, and I do wonder whether that may happen or whether they are going to keep them completely separate. I think that would be interesting, even if that's the only appearance he ever makes in the Arrowverse. That would be an interesting kind of addition to it, given that they're in Gotham. You know, have him turn up in his Robin outfit in that, possibly. But I don't know. We'll we'll see. The crossover, as far as I'm aware, won't include Black Lightning either because that's a separate entity. And he's yeah. a, a, as far as I mean, I guess on another Earth, I, I'm assuming. They've made reference. I don't know. They've made, refer- they've made reference to Flash and Arrow before, but that's about it. Yeah. So I, you know, maybe, maybe not. I, do, I don't know. But uh, we'll, we'll, I know that, yeah, Belanti said that he wants to keep separate for now, but we'll see. The writers of, of um, Black Lightning have said that if, if they do have some sort of crossover, it's likely to have their characters come to the city rather than the Black Lightning characters go to them. So, who knows? But at the moment, there's I don't think they're going to be involved in the crossover. Yeah, uh, no. And the other bit of comic book news is Epics, which is a US network, has um, ordered a Pennyworth series from the showrunner of Gotham based around Alfred Pennyworth, <laughs> which actually sounds quite awesome. I rather like the idea of this. It's going to be based around the faithful butler of Bruce Wayne. The idea of this will be the show will explore Alfred's origins as a former British SAS soldier who forms a secret company and goes to work with Thomas Wayne, Bruce's father, in 1960s London. So, um, yeah, interesting kind of setup. It, it explores a bit more of Alfred's background. I'm guessing you're going to see a much more sort of action orientated Alfred, which is kind of the Alfred version that we've seen on Gotham. Despite Bruno Heller being involved, this is not going to be a direct link to Gotham. So so we're not going to see like the same characters. It's not going to be exactly the same sort of setup. They're not connected universes. It just happens to have the same guy in charge. But yeah, 19 uh, sort of SAS or, you know, a spy dra- secret organization drama set in 1960s London. I, I'm up for that, I think. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the greatest fan of prequels, to be perfectly honest. Right. Okay. Half the time you look at prequels and go, well, the connection between what you know happens and what shown the thing just don't connect up and that annoys me I, it comes, <laughs> I think it comes from a background of like reading comics a lot when I was a kid I like things that flow or at least have references to why I, they yeah, don't flow together I, I mean, I, so I, I, I can't deal with prequels yeah I mean I, I get that particularly I mean Gotham certainly bears no relationship to any version of Batman you've seen so far but I'm kind of in the headspace with Gotham of it's an alternate earth you know we live yeah. in a multiverse in DC so there is a one of those multiverse places I guess has 
that version of Gotham in it, as far as I'm concerned, because yeah. it's certainly not the Batman what we know. Epics is an interesting network for it because I mean, Epics is the network that uh, runs the Get Shorty TV series, which has been doing fairly well for them. They also run a show called Berlin Station, which stars uh, Reese Evans and uh, mm-hmm. Richard Armitage, which is never aired over here, and I find it crazy that nobody's picked that up this side of the Atlantic because I think that's that's on two and possibly yeah it's been renewed for a third season so Ooh. it's got two seasons in the bag already and and it's never aired this side of the Atlantic which is is a bit weird considering it's sort of set in Europe and well I assume so because it's called Berlin Station so uh, Get Shorty I believe has been picked up as far as well we're hearing stories that it's been picked up by Sky Atlantic so that may have come across I'm just surprised Berlin Station's never aired over here so who knows whether we'll ever actually see this but being a comic book drama yeah right. I think being, it has it has an instant saleability in other territories yeah so, so I think it's a good chance yeah we'll, we'll see but uh, it'll be called Pennyworth it's only a 10 episode season you know because they're the sort of network do those short runs which we were talking about earlier so mm. um, I don't know I'm, I'm quite interested in that I, I think it, it could be quite intriguing given the uh, the background so that's all the news we have for this week and let's move on to the interview <laughs> terrorizes the West in search of a former member of gang who's found a new life in a quiet town populated only by women. The show has received a lot of awards, buzz, Critics' Choice Television Award nomination. It was also placed on the best shows of 2017 by Vanity Fair and by the Washington Post. So, Godless, you can see the whole first season of it now on uh, Netflix. She was absolutely lovely to talk to. She was really wonderful and really interesting given, you know, we talk quite a bit about the uh, stuff with Tarantino because, you know, the amazing movies. So uh, we talk quite a lot about that and and also about Godless, obviously. So here's the interview with Betsy. We'll see you afterwards with some highlights for next week on TV. Hi. Hi, Betsy. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. It's lovely to have you on. Thank you for spending a bit of time to come and talk through your work and stuff. You're on really to talk about various TV shows. Uh, Godless is the thing you've been doing most recently. But let's start off with a little bit of background. How did you get into costume design in the first place? Oh, um, the career was suggested to me. I was making one-of-a-kind jackets in Chicago and an actress on a movie set bought one and brought it into set to <laughs> have the sleeves altered and the costume designer Theone Aldridge thought wow this is very interesting and she called the number on the little tag 
<laughs> and invited me over and suggested the career to me. And she was right. That's crazy. It was crazy because <laughs> I've been to art school. I've been to theater school. I had so many visual memories, you know, growing up. I remember my dad had like a burgundy paisley robe drinking orange juice and how orange that was against the burgundy. But I never put the dots together. So thank goodness she came along. Wow, that's crazy. What an interesting way to get into it. Yes, then um, she said to me, you know, you can work your way up from seamstress. You made this, you know, and, you know, in the end, that really wasn't the way it worked, but it's what I did and it served me well. I started at the very bottom and I've started as a seamstress and I've had every single job on the way up to costume designer. Wow. Well, that does, it's sometimes better to start out that way and, you know, you get to appreciate every bit of the business that way. Yeah. And I'm one of those people that if I, I have to have all the facts, you know, yeah. it all goes to the blender in my mind, but I have to have it all to really be free to create. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've worked on some incredible films over your career. You've got things like Almost Famous, uh, Vanilla Sky, Jerry Maguire, of course, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, which are amazing, amazing films. But uh, the, the latest thing you've been working on, I think we'll come back to the movies in a bit. The latest thing you've been working on is uh, Godless, which is the TV show for Netflix. Netflix. I've literally just started watching it, so I've only seen the first episode so far, but it, it's a, it's an amazing sort of Western miniseries. How did you get involved with that project? Well, um, not to go back to the movies, but Scott Frank, the writer, d- director, and I met on um, Get Shorty. Right, yeah. And he was the screenwriter of Get Shorty, uh-huh. and I always talk to the writer. A lot of times the writer is my director, but when not... I like to know, you know, what were you thinking of? Who did this? Did this remind you of somebody in your life? What were they like? And then we also, of course, we had the reference material of the Elmore Leonard book. But I met uh, Scott that way on out of on um, Get Shorty, and then we met again on Out of Sight. And right. he said, "I love your work. I love what you do. When I start directing, I'm going to hire you." And he was as good as his work. <laughs> yeah. See, you you never know. It's always worth talking to people when you when, you know, whoever they are on, on the industry. But yeah, I always find writers really interesting as well. Uh, and it helps me, like I say, with the facts, with all the facts. I mean, I. Treat like in Godless, there were so many people, and everybody asks me, How did you make them all look so individual? And it's because I deal with every character as if they were a real person. Mm. It's like, What was Dave doing yesterday? He does these phone calls, he does these interviews, he's <laughs> a writer. But you know, I kind of dissect the characters described in the script, and Scott Frank writes such amazing characters that yeah. they're just sort of leaping off the page saying my turn my turn what are you going to do with me you know <laughs> yeah and i mean you have got some brilliant characters and some amazing actors in this show i mean you know from jeff daniels and uh you know M- michelle doherty is uh, scoop binary amazing people working you're working with where do you start with a, a western drama when you're coming up with the costumes for it because it's not like the type of thing you 
you can go and get off a rack somewhere you know are you making all the costumes from scratch or are they a kind of a mixture of things that are already available from costume houses and that sort of stuff well i designed over 300 costumes for <laughs> godless That's and insane. i brought an entire i had the godless boutique i brought that with me from <laughs> rental houses and i mean that's how big this show was i mean the volume was unbelievable yeah so i start with research whether the film is modern or period i start with research so in godless first there were clues in the script labelle was a real place mining towns you know so you start there and one thing leads to another you get visions you get pictures of uh, you read um it's a great way to learn history because you're motivated um mm. and you you start there and i compiled oh my goodness many 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 we have a beautiful uh, research book of all of our actual pictures of real people mm. and then you put them all in a book and then i sat sit down with scott and we go through them and i'm saying i think this looks like so and so that you know and i like this i don't like this and we had like three different tribes of Native Americans. And, you know, that's a whole nother journey. Yeah. Of so research, inspiration, collaboration. That's how I begin my job. I'm guessing it's quite important to keep the authenticity with a, a project like this as well. I have to just say that in my body of work as a costume designer, I've really strived for all of the costumes to look authentic and effortless in such a way, even though there's a great deal of thought behind each one, mm. authenticity is the key. Whether you're a sports agent like Jerry Maguire or a lunatic killer like Frank Griffith, you know, <laughs> Jeff Daniels. Yeah. Jeff's character is quite interesting because I don't think it's a huge spoiler because it happens fairly early on. He's, he loses an arm. Obviously, some of that's dealt with, with CGI, but I'm guessing the costume comes into that as well as, as having to hide his actual alarm somewhere yeah. how do you deal with that well you <laughs> it's interesting you have to like the shirts i made for jeff after he lost an arm were cut in such a way that his real arm fit nicely behind him or to the side or wherever he needed to have it be we made accommodations in the um, design and patterns of his outfits and we built him a little harness that kept the coat on his shoulder, on that one shoulder, so he didn't have to worry about whether it was going to fall off or not. Right. You know, necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> Obviously, it's the, the Wild West as well. You're coming up with these great costumes. Presumably, you then have to put them through some sort of grunging process. because. Yes, <laughs> so... yes. and you're so, thank you so much for noticing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so what do you do with that? And is that really a painful thing to do for the for you as the costume designer well i had some incredible textile artists on this show with me and can i just regress one moment by saying that westerns were the very first jobs that once i got past the sewing and i got onto the set mm. i had a second stroke of good luck like the first suggestion in that i went for lunch across the street at warner brothers one day and met luster bayless who was john wayne's Costumer, and he was looking for a costumer to take to Arizona with him to do a Western. <laughs> wow. 
So I started in Westerns and right. Reservoir Dogs was kind of the left-hand turn that took me like in a completely other direction. But Luster taught me the old fashioned way of how to age down these clothes and how to make it, you know, the secret is to do it right. Don't just throw dirt at something. Each garment, you have to, again, think about it. Well, what do you do? You get ink on your hands, you get food on your hands, whatever you're wiping, you know, in those mm. days, you're wiping it off on your clothes. You're a little sweaty. It's hand washing on a rock and a stream. So those sweat marks don't go away, but that's where the dirt is. That's where it shows. And then you want it to look like it's been washed on a rock and a stream a thousand times <laughs> because you didn't have that many clothes. So the philosophy behind it dictates the process of how the clothes are aged. You know, when you're riding a horse in a coat, the top of your shoulders is where the sun hits. Hmm. So that's the part that's faded out. Right, you know okay. I mean? You know, you button and unbutton a coat. So the buttonholes, they're kind of stretched out. They're a little greasy. The edge, you know, so it is very tedious, but it's so wonderful that Scott Frank wanted that, gave me the time to do that, allowed me, and Netflix allowed me to hire the people who know how to do that. Because when you get to number 450 on the call sheet of actors, you know, you can't do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, so you have an army of people with, I don't know, scouring pads and you know, whatever it is they're using to grunge up the clothes. Well, I'll have to send you a picture if you give me your mail. I have a picture of two of the girls and they've got the mask on their face. They've got like the tie, the Tyvek suit on. <laughs> they're just like getting trashed. Oh, doing no. the, you know. That's crazy. Uh, you, yeah. also, you also mentioned, of course, you've got um, Native American characters on the show as well. What's it like creating costumes for them compared to creating costumes for the um, sort of Western actors? Well, and we also had Blackdom, which was another. Right. I have to say that I work very hard. Again, thank you, Luster Bayless, because he's the one that showed me how, you know, a Cherokee looks different than a Paiute that looks different, you know. Right, yeah. So I was very pleased. What I did is I made boards of some of the pictures. Like if I was fitting the Blackdom scene, let's say, I put up all my research of the time of the Buffalo Soldiers. We went back to the Civil War. You know, we told the story. And the same I found, like the Paiutes. I found a lot of pictures. These people were trashed. We trashed them. We took everything from them. It was horrible. And there is reference to prove it if you know where to look for it. Right. You know, yeah. after the Civil War, what those soldiers, they had nothing better to do but to come out west and trash the Native Americans, you know. Yeah. So I was, what I'm trying to get to is that in my boards and my research, I was relieved and pleased that as each of these different actors came in for Black and for Native Americans, they looked at my boards and they looked at me and they smiled. And wow. I knew, you know, I knew I'd done good. <laughs> yeah, it's quite interesting with this show because you've also got this town full of, of women and you've got some of the characters are taking up slightly more masculine roles. Like you've got, uh, it, it's the, the sister who's, who's sort of dressed mm -hmm. as, uh, dressed in male costume. So how did you approach that? Well, these women have been, you know, by a force of nature, have been forced to improvise. Their sure. husbands are all dead. They're 
they are trying to run this town by themselves. So, you know, I was thinking, what have they got? You know, but it's not mm. like they're flying off to Paris to get a new dress. <laughs> yeah. In the case of Mary Agnes, she was very tough. She was very protective of you know, she was very pushy because she was very fragile inside. Mm. And I wanted to um, let her wear her her own blouses under her husband's clothing. So there would be a ruffle at the neckline or maybe it was there was one that was red. There there was one that was blue and had a round collar. And then she tried to masculine it up by wrapping a bandana around her neck and acting tough. But I wanted to have a combination of the masculine and the feminine feminine again in an authentic way yeah it makes sense i mean it's it's a an incredible incredible show um i i'd be thoroughly enjoying it so far so uh, so yes i'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it what i learned in my research uh was exactly the colors and the fabrics that were used in that period. I tried to stick to that. The whole show, we we had a very restricted palette. And yeah. so all of the women wore all the different colors that were in the palette, but in different shades and brightness, depending on what their who their character was and what the moment, yeah. what the scene was, you know. So Charlotte, she had all those plaids and she was the one whose husband had been the mayor of right. the town. Yeah. You know? And she she wore every outfit was new for her because she had it. And so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but everything was either a silk or a wool or a linen. I didn't mess around. I didn't try to introduce a modern fabric. We over dyed things, which also helps with the aging. Like if you take a white shirt and dip it in a bucket of tea, it looks pretty old. Right. Yeah. You know, so um, I think by restricting the palette, we for everyone, the men, like for Jeff Daniels had a very salt, had a green Prince Albert. It was like a PA coat. But Jack O'Connell had also a green coat, but his was a little more soft, a little more dusty because he has more of a conscience. He's so it, it looks um, like I say, it looks effortless, but there's a great deal of thought behind it every single thing yeah every single sort of clothing yeah it's interesting because you don't immediately think of the costumes necessarily telling that level of detail in the story but they do and it sort of does it subconsciously sometimes which is, well, is that's really my, that's my you are my perfect audience because i want to affect the audience on a subconscious level yeah yeah just moving on to, to a couple of the the other things that you worked on i really have to ask you about working with Quentin Tarantino because as I say you did uh, Reservoir Dogs you did Pulp Fiction how did you end up involved working with him um haha I went to a New Year's Eve party <laughs> and there was a fellow there and he and I just kept making eye contact not in any kind of romantic way it's just like we just I don't know whether the angle of where we were in the room anyway I went over to him and I said are we just gonna stare or are we gonna talk <laughs> he turned out to be Lawrence Bender right. and um 
so, you know, I was very interested. He was a PA at the time. He was still struggling. And he used to send me the occasional script and say, what do you think it would cost to do the budget for the costumes? What, you know, mm. this, you know, and or I would go and see something that he had just done and it was exciting. And then one day he sent me this Reservoir Dogs. And I have to tell you, Dave, I had no idea what the heck was going on when I was reading that script. <laughs> but I said, this is fabulous writing. This is going to get fabulous actors. This yeah. is something unique. And so when Lawrence called me and said, what do you think about the budget? And I said, what I think is, is this your big shot? And he said, yeah. I said, I want up to be a part of it. And he said, I don't have any money. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> that, good call. Yeah. <laughs> very, very good call. I mean, yeah. uh, with Reservoir Dogs, you're, you're essentially dealing with, with black suits pretty much throughout that. I mean, I'm guessing there was more to it from the costume design point of view for you, though. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Well, you know, Quentin inspired me to think up those suits because I think you've probably heard this, that he showed me a lot of film reference. You know, I would go to his apartment, we'd watch the films. Right. A little, and, and I said to him, look, you know, all these guys in all these films, all these French films, they're all wearing a suit and a tie and they're all from the 60s. So let me ask you this. You want these guys to be anonymous. You don't, re we don't really have an idea what that is yet. What if they all had enough money to go to a thrift store, buy a black jacket, a black pair of pants, a white shirt and a black tie, and they would all were wearing these suits. Wouldn't that be anonymous? And he said, yes. And that's how it happened. But I will tell you that only Harvey Keitel, maybe Quentin, I don't know. They weren't wearing suits. It just looks like it. Right. Okay. So what, what was it? What, what were they wearing? They could afford. <laughs> and Quentin, bless his heart, uh, I was never going to tell this story, but he stood up in front of all the costume designers when we honored him a couple of years ago. And he said, so Betsy comes to me and she says, I think we could put Tim Roth and Steve Buscemi in black jeans with these jackets I found and nobody's going to know the difference. And I, I didn't really believe her, but I just said, OK, let's go with that. And, and he said, and you know what? She was right. And I was done. I said that in front of everybody. I thought, well, I love the attention. I wish he hadn't given away my secret. <laughs> Oh dear! Uh, and and then you of course work again with him on Pulp Fiction, which is such an iconic film. Particularly, you know, and, and you know, black suits make an appearance in that as well. But but you've got a much wider variety of costumes. Was there any particular character you really enjoyed doing costumes for for that movie? You know, they were all so great. I loved doing Eric. You know, he played the dealer. He never left the house. Right. That was a fodder for me, Eric Stoltz. Yeah. I forget his character name. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> but I remember that, I don't know if it was from Dogs or later, that Quentin showed me some Japanese cartoon. And I went back to that and I said, Quentin, this guy never leaves his house. All he does is watch TV. Where? Let's do the speed racer. He goes, oh, I have that T-shirt. I said, great, give me that T-shirt. And then I found this this robe and I threw it in the washing machine. I made it that horrible green. I like pulled threads out of it. I don't know. For some reason, he captured my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then you had uh, just such an iconic movie. You had Umi's character as well, uh, Mia, uh, with that kind of haircut and and the you know the the black and white outfit as well. And I, I just amazing the whole the whole thing. I I adore that movie. It's so good. Oh, yeah, 
good. I'm so glad. I mean, when we started prep on that movie, I said to Quentin, don't you think Jules and Vincent are reservoir dogs? And he went, yeah, yeah. And I said, yes. So let's bring that forward. And then I think she would love to be a reservoir dog. So she married the boss. But (laughs) on her one free night, I think she puts, you know, she dresses like them because she wants to be cool. She wants them to know that she's cool too. You know, (laughs) that's sort of the essence of the black suits moving forward. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I I absolutely adore that film. So, uh, so yeah, generally you've been working in movies uh, and then you've got Godless the miniseries. There was a couple of TV pilots you did as well. Oh my goodness, you are thorough. Uh, You did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I believe, and Prison Break. I did. That's kind of interesting because you're doing just the pilot at that point, which, you know, it's quite common people just end up doing the pilots and don't end up doing the whole series. But... That's quite interesting because you're setting the tone for what's going to be moving forward. Again, I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm guessing you're dealing with a lot of suits again in that. Well, in the in the pilot, there was, but there was some action. I mean, the show developed into quite yeah. something different. Yeah. But no, I set the looks for, you know, the two scientists and, you know, they weren't always a lot of suits. Clark Gregg wore a lot of suits, but it really wasn't a suit thing that I can recall because there was a lot of casual, there was a lot of, you know, in their ship or their wherever they were hanging out, they they were... (laughs) more casual setting. Uh, yeah, I guess Sky, as she was in the Chloe Bennett's character, Sky, mm-hmm. as she was in the pilot, and he's now called Daisy for reasons I won't get into. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, I know. Yeah, Don't she... worry. I know the reason. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so you, you had you had her um, who was was very much a kind of outsider at that point. So so you know, I think she was in kind of leather jacket and that sort of get up. Um, yeah, you're right. There was there was quite a lot of uh, variation, I guess, in that show. And then Prison Break is a really interesting one because you're dealing not only with the costume, you've then got to show off those tattoos, I guess, at points as well. Right. Right. Well, it's funny because the the producer, the on-set producer of Prison Break and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the same person. Right, okay, yeah. Which is very nice that he thought to call me all those years later. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that was great about Prison Break is that I basically, you know, moving forward, it was mostly prison uniforms. I got to choose what those prison uniforms were going to be. (laughs) But I also set up, you know, the lawyer, the girlfriend, you know, a lot of that... I got to set up in the pilot and that show went on for to be fantastic. I was thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a great show and of course they brought it back recently and they're bringing it back again. So, you know, it's still around. Definitely lovely people. I have to say that was a really fun experience. Although I was born and raised in Chicago. Yeah. I can tell you quickly. And I said to my, you know, home, went home for this show and I really never had had a chance to do that before and it was pretty great and I said to my girls the crew I said listen I just want to tell you something I moved to California because I hate the cold I'm not going outside when it gets cold yeah I will be on the wardrobe trailer or in a van you will not find me outside and they went ha 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 she's so cute so it's now November it's freezing cold we're shooting out at Joliet prison which is an abandoned prison and I'm on the wardrobe trailer and I get the call we need some gloves we need something for the prison we need blah 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 so I get it I get in the van I go up to the gate of the prison 
hand it all to them. I do not get out of the <laughs> <laughs> I, you, know, you know what? I don't blame you. I, I actually have been once to Chicago for th- three or four days, and it was in November, and I, I still remember walking out of the airport and just getting hit by that wall of freezing cold air. Yeah, forget it. I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm completely with you on that. <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear right we've been on about half an hour so i've i've got two last questions for you All right. because the the website we run covers an awful lot of tv shows they're tv related questions for you so first one is what tv shows are you watching at the moment oh um homeland yes awesome show billions, billions. brilliant show barry do you have barry over we, there it's not started yet we're getting it very very soon but i am quite looking forward to that it looks brilliant and um i've just started a new one called Killing Eve. I've only seen two episodes. Right. Yes, that's the BBC America show. We're getting that later in the year. But uh, I I do really like the look of that as well. Yeah, I, I am liking it. Um, I'm not a critic, so I'm not going to criticize. But it's, it's interesting. And uh, I've watched two episodes. I'm still in. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. And the last question would be, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, past, present or future, which show would it be? Oh, wow. Um, I'll tell you what. I designed the original Pee Wee Herman show that was an HBO special. Right. Yes. I would like to have done the series. Ah, interesting. Yeah, that that's a that's a, a, a good answer, given your connection to it. <laughs> yeah, I created Captain Carl and Missy Vaughn and all those things. And I would have liked to have gone forward with that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, well, yes, that's that's a good answer. Thank you for spending some time. It's been really lovely talking to you. Next time you're doing a, a project, we'll talk again. My next project, I just finished and it's a film. I don't know if you want to talk to me because okay. it's a, Go on. Uh, called The Green Book. It stars Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali and it's based on a true story and it's set in 1962. Ooh, that must have been fun to work on. Fantastic. Yeah. I got the two best guys around. Great, great people to be working with as well. Yeah, so that'll be around November, I guess that'll come out. Awesome. Lovely to speak to you. You too. I think you're so knowledgeable. It's really a pleasure. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, Hopefully talk to you again at some point in the future as well. That would be fantastic. Awesome. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. So that was the interview with the costume designer, Betsy Hyman. Hope you really enjoyed that. Godless, as I say, you can see on Netflix. The entire first season is on there. And uh, go and check out all her film work because the film work's quite phenomenal as well. So um, that's that for the interview. Next, we've got some highlights for next week on TV. So highlights for next week. There are two shows. It's a really small week for new shows. Only two shows that are kind of worth really mentioning. Code Black, which we were talking about earlier, is back for its third and possibly final season, depending how things go. Uh, That's come back to the W channel. That's at uh, 29th of May at 9pm. I mean, it's another medical procedural drama. It could be the best medical procedural drama in the world. I've never watched it, but uh, but yeah, it's a medical procedural drama set in an understaffed ER in LA. So uh, there you go. Yeah. <sighs> 
And Arrested Development is back for its fifth season on Netflix, which I hope is much better than the fourth season because the fourth season was not great. That's on the 29th of May as well. Have you a fan of Arrested Development? No, it's something I missed out on. Right. I keep on hearing a lot of people talk about it, but no. Yeah. So yes, that's that's back for a fifth season. The fourth season, actually, if you want to go back and rewatch the fourth season, they restructured it into a more traditional structure of sort of traditional Arrested Development episodes. I have no idea whether that makes it any better or not, but uh, you can go watch that as well. That uh, season five will arrive on the 29th of May. And that's everything, unless you've got anything else you want to add. You can find my writings on Hollywood News Source. Yes. That's on Twitter, on Instagram, um, Facebook as well. Also, I occasionally write from time to time for Starry Mug, which you can find as well on Twitter. And I'll soon be recapping Luke Cage when that comes around and Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Awesome. That's good. I'm looking forward to Cloak and Dagger. That's coming soon. Uh, Amazon, I think, have it over here. So, Also, as well, you may spot either of us not that you necessarily know what Daryl looks like but you might you might I am mysterious (laughs) yes you may spot us wandering around MCN Comic Con because it's MCN Comic Con and London Friday, Saturday and Sunday this weekend so I will be down there Daryl will be down there Bex will be down there as well Bex is due to the fact that her hair is usually some wacky colour like purple is much easier to spot than the rest of us so we we will all be down there wandering around around Comic Con so feel free to come up and say hello if you spot any of us if you want to find more news throughout the week you can go to geektown.co.uk we've got lots of news stories going up daily if you want to get in touch with your questions and comments you can email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that's everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.